0: We are starting this new series called In Step with the Holy Spirit. In Step with the Holy Spirit. Um, when I was kind of thinking about this series, and, and I, I could not get the image of a three-legged race out of my mind. Uh, has everybody participated in a three-legged race before? All right, good. So some of you who's, okay, who's seen a three-legged race. All right, most of you here. Great. So we're going to show it to you today. All right, and I have a couple volunteers. I've got my youth students, my J- Jude and Carson here. Let's invite them up here. All right, woo! woo, yeah. All right, I'm coming down. All right, stand right here in the middle. And I have this contraption of three legged race and the Velcro is phenomenal on this. All right, put your legs together. Okay, here we go. I'm going to, all right, see if I can get this and make it tight, there we go. Okay, so just stand right in the middle of the aisle. Great, all right, somehow get in the middle, perfect. And they're going to perform three exercises for us this morning. Okay, Uh, The first exercise is going to be completely off-step from each other. So both of them are going to start walking with their right leg. Now, if you know how three-legged works, (laughs) it doesn't work. So try your best to walk with the right leg and then left leg, right leg, and the left leg. Ready, set, go. (laughs) It doesn't work. All right, come back, come back, come back. All right, so it doesn't work, right? Because that's not how three-legged you know races work or walks work all right here's the second exercise we're going to do they're going to do it the right way which is you know going with the inner leg first and then the outer leg inner then outer all right but as you guys walk i want you to just kind of walk away from each other okay ready go (laughs) all right stop fighting okay come back come back stop fighting all right it doesn't work right it does not work why because they're tethered, and they're trying to walk away from each other. This time, do it the correct way all throughout, okay? Inner leg, outer leg, all the way back, and all the way down. All right, ready, set, go. Look how beautiful that is. Look how beautiful that is. Can you give it a round of applause? Look how beautiful this is. I mean, this is a great demonstration of, of what it means, you know, what, what I was thinking about this whole series. So oh, let me just get this out. Good job, everybody. Thank you all so much. All right. So I'm going to just put this down right there in step with the spirit in step with the spirit. And that's the whole series. And as you guys seen in that you know, little demonstration, you know, we, we can try to walk with in step with the spirit. But if we go in the opposite direction or if we try and, and do something different, what the spirit is doing, we are not going to get far. We're not going to get far. And so this morning, I had the privilege of speaking on indwelling of the Holy Spirit in regards to this series. Indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Can everyone say indwelling? Indwelling. Indwelling. But before we unpack what it means for the Holy Spirit to indwell, we first have to understand who the Holy Spirit is. And it seems like, you know, you're like, I kind of already know who the Holy Spirit is. But the question is like, do you, <laughs> right? Like, do you really understand who the Holy Spirit is? So, who is the Holy Spirit? We're gonna do a little pop quiz. Let's see if you know your, uh, uh, your, your Bibles. The Holy Spirit is the part of the? Trinity. Trinity, fantastic, great job everyone. Okay, so it's part of the Trinity. And the Trinity is made of? Father, the Son, the Holy good, All right. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. You all have theology degrees now, okay? This is great, all right? So, you understand? Here's the Trinity, right? Three persons in one. That's the Trinity. And the Trinity, believe it or not, existed before the whole New Testament because, you know, we, we sometimes divide them into like three parts, like God the Father is the Old Testament, right? And then like God the Son is like the New Testament. And then it's like after Jesus ascended, it's like, okay, it's then the God the Spirit kind of shows up, right? But... When we go to Genesis 126, it says this. The, then God said that us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. The evidence is already there back in Genesis of the Holy Spirit, the, the Trinity being present since the beginning of time. And but it's since then, there has been a misconception about the Holy Spirit, about the Trinity. So we're going to clear up some of those misconceptions this morning. I had the trusty old whiteboard here, all right? And it's going to be awesome. Here's the first misconception, all right? Here's the first misconception of the Trinity. Here's the second misconception of the Trinity. That's an egg, by the way. Sorry if it's (laughs) my All right, here's the white. And then here is the yolk, all right? And then here's the third one. All right, I'm going to try my best to draw uh, all right, a cube of ice. That does not look like ice, but it's ice. All right. And then we got water and then we got vapor. Okay. So this is not what Trinity is. It's not like, okay, God, the father is number one. Right. And then like God, the son is like, okay, he can get that silver medal. Right. And then it's, god the spirit okay he kind of gets the bronze because you know he's kind of third in line no like that's not it that's not the trinity all right here's the second one this makes sense shell white yolk three different things in one unified you know element right but the problem with this illustration is that there are three different parts it doesn't work Like the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one essence. These are three different parts that don't jive with each other. Like it either has to be all shell or all white part of the egg or all yolk. So that's out. Let's look at our last, you know, this beautiful drawing of an ice cube and water and vapor. These all have elements of chemical composition of H2O. Good, fantastic. Welcome to school. All right. So H2O, we have this beautiful picture of it. And we're like, yeah, that makes complete sense. It's, it's one compound, right? And it's three different things. And you're like, yes, that is a picture of the Holy Spirit. No, it is not the picture of the Holy Spirit, I mean, the, the Trinity. Why? Because water switches to, uh, ice switches to water, water switches to vapor, and back and forth, and back and forth. God the Father can never be God the Son. And God the Son could never be the God the Spirit. And, and, and the fact that, like, if you hear anybody teaching about this, where God can kind of mold and shape into different parts of their trinity uh, based on their context and various circumstances, it's an automatic red flag because that's called modelism, right? Modelism. And modelism is heresy completely. Modelism is heresy. So we take that out. So it's like, what are we left then with trying to understand the Trinity. The best way that, that I can come up with and just kind of re- reading what the Trinity is about is God the Father, right? God the Son, and God the Spirit. Three persons in one. It's not like it's God the Father, the circle, God the Son, the triangle, and God, the, like, it's not that, it's, all three rolls into one. I know some of you are like, man, I am so confused right now. And, and I mean, this is like theology 401 in like five minutes, by the way. <laughs> All right. So, again, like I said, you had a degree by answering those questions. Now you have a degree in theology because of this, too. Okay. When we under- try to understand this Trinity and try to Get more comprehensiveness out of this. The more we kind of get overwhelmed in it, don't we? Right? We're like, man, this is this is like beyond my understanding. But here's the beautiful thing about it: you do not have to fully comprehend it. You don't have to try to understand all of it. Why? Because we serve an infinite God, a mysterious God a God of the universe. So how can the infinite God be confined in a finite illustration? It's impossible. It is impossible to to fit God into this this mold of our, our, our finite imagination of what Trinity looks like. We will not have the full understanding of what the Trinity is until we see God face to face, until we see, you know, until we die, until we take that last breath. But until then, guess what we do have? We do have the word of God. We do have the faith that we can trust in him, in his mysteries, in his, in his greatness, in his, in his infinite wisdom. And for me personally, like accepting the fact that like, you know what, God, I won't ever like understand until I see you of what, what, it, what the Trinity is or, or your existence or your timeline, how you have no beginning and no end. Like that's, that's such a concept out of my world. But because of that, God, I, I can, I can worship you in awe and in reverence because you're so far, so much far greater than I am. Like, like the God of the infinite universe said, I love you. That's a mind-blowing concept. He loved me enough. He loved me so much to send His son Jesus to die for me, the creator of this universe. So my response is, I'm in awe. And I revere who you are, God. So who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit isn't just some leftovers, okay? It's it's not a Thanksgiving dinner, all right? It's not the leftovers. Like, Holy Spirit isn't the third in the Trinity. He isn't. You know who he is? He is God. He is God. And we must worship the Holy Spirit, just as we worship the Father, just as we worship the Son, and be in awe of Him. Because He deserves our adoration. I love how Charles Spurgeon puts it. He says, if then we worship the Father and the Son, but forget or neglect to adore the Holy Spirit, then we worship less than God. I I don't know about you, but I don't want to be worshipped less than God. I want to worship the whole God. I want to worship the Trinity. So let's read our scripture for this morning for this series and unfold God's word together. If you have your Bibles, open up to Galatians 5, 16 through 26. I'll be reading out of the NLT version, and it'll be on the screen for you as well. So let's read this together. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us the desire desires that are the opposite of what the simple nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you're not under obligation to the law, uh, law of Moses. When you follow the desires of simple nature, the results are very clear, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy. He's not done Outbursts of anger, selfish, ambition, dissension, division, Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. He basically said, everything, okay? Let me tell you again, as I have said before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Let's read this together. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucify them there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. This is the word of the Lord. It's so good. You see, Paul is writing here to the Church of Galatia. And Church of Galatia was comprised of, of both Gentile converts as well as Jewish converts. And within the church of Galatia, Paul is getting the news from, you know, the different church leaders saying, hey, there's a heresy being preached. And and heresy heresy was being preached by what we call them Judaizers, okay? Judaizers were um, their legalistic Jews who held on to the belief that Christians must keep the old Judaic laws, the old Judaic laws, the old Mosaic laws. For Judaizers, in order for the Gentiles to be saved— he had to get circumcised as a requirement and had to follow all of the Mosaic Judaic laws. They held on to believe that following Judaic laws were far more important, far more of a priority than actually following the laws of Jesus. Basically saying salvation was through the laws, the Judaizers are saying, instead of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Heresy, right? I mean, that's, just, that's what Paul is saying. He's like, that's not right. Paul's obviously, Paul's like, okay, time out. We kind of have to put a stop to this. We have to put a stop to this because if this is the message that, that, that's been preached, then it, it's not good. So Paul explains since the beginning of Galatians, he explains who Jesus is again, right? And what he has done, his death and resurrection, that Jesus who, he, he came to fulfill the law. And, and because Jesus fulfilled the law, Like we now have this awesome personal connection with uh, with God, God the Father, no longer bound by the tabernacle or even by the thick curtain because Jesus made that way for us. And in this relationship, we're free. Like we're free. And in this freedom, Holy Spirit indwells within and empowers all believers so that the believers won't be tangled up again with the old selves or the old law. Let's read verses 16 through 17 again. This is out of the, uh, the NIV version. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sp- uh, flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. See, in the NIV version it says, walk by the Spirit. And some other translations say, walk in the Spirit, or, or let the Holy Spirit guide your lives See, walk by the Spirit doesn't mean like, like you hold on to, you know, hold on to the hand of the Holy Spirit and you walk and you go, eh, today I don't want to hold your hand. So you let go and you go the other way, right? I mean, I mean, younger kids do that. Maybe even teenagers do that, right? You hold, you try to hold a teenager's hand, especially if you're a parent of a teenager. You try to hold their hand and they're like, what is wrong with you, right? <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> like, that's what the picture we get. It's like we, we try, like walking by the Spirit doesn't mean that we hold hands and we can let go of His hand whenever we want to. No, walking by the Spirit means that He resides in you, and you listen to His voice, and you live according to His influence in your life. And, it, and as a follower of Jesus, like, that sounds amazing, doesn't it? Like, to live righteously by His Spirit, like, to live according to His law, like, to live according to, like, His goodness and His holiness and His mercy, like, every thought that you think, every, every action that you take, every word that you speak would be influenced by the Holy Spirit. Like, doesn't that sound amazing, right? Here's a quick list of what happens when, we, when the Spirit indwells in all believers, okay here's a quick list of what happens in dwelling of the holy spirit creates new life that was once dead right perfect confirms that believers belong to god amen positions the new believers as part of the big c church right just give you a little secret your local churches are not the kingdom of god okay the big c church the kingdom of god is bigger than journey church in like, we are living for the kingdom of God as body of believers. Give spiritual gifts to edify the church and give God glory. And God still gives spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are even today. It, it's a real thing. Miracles still happen today. This is a biblical thing. It's happening. Helps believers understand the scriptures. This is important. Enriches believers' prayer life. Intercedes for uh, believers. And goes on and on. It says, convicts believers to live for Jesus. Convicts of sin. And I'm so grateful that we have this list. And this is not just like this is not it. Like there's so much more when the Holy Spirit indwells within us, what happens inside of us. But I'm so thankful that that we have the Holy Spirit. But here's the problem. Here's a the problem. There's a disconnect. There's a disconnect. A, a disconnect between one's claim. To believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus and living a spirit filled life. It's like we believe in the resurrection of Jesus, but we don't believe in the power that resurrected Jesus. See, how many of us can say that, like right now, that you're convicted to share your sin with a brother or sister in this room? Like, right now, if I told you, like, okay, we're going to do some exercise, okay, we're going to find somebody that you don't know, find somebody that maybe you may know, and go share your darkest, deepest sin. Like, who would be convicted enough to do that? But Scripture tells if there's Holy Spirit indwelling in us, like, that should be natural to share our sins with each other. How many of us can say that we're fully living the life that Jesus has given us? This miraculous life that Jesus has given us. How many of us can say that, you know, do we rely on the understanding of the Holy, Scri- uh, the, the Holy Scriptures of, and relying on the Holy Spirit to give us the understanding of a, a passage that we don't understand before going to your pastors and before going to Google? Right? Right now, in this moment, if you believe in Jesus' death and resurrection, you have the indwelling of the Spirit inside of you. Believing in Jesus' death and resurrection, as we go to the next slide, believing in Jesus' death and resurrection is intimately connected to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's intimately connected. So as you see, Holy Spirit isn't just an afterthought. It's not, a, he's not an afterthought. He doesn't come later in life and fulfills the list that we just saw. Like he, he indwells in all believers right now at this moment. Yet we live a life like he's some kind of rebate coupon that will come later in life. So why the disconnect? Why are we living this life as if the Holy Spirit is an afterthought? Or, or as if he's non-existent? As I was just kind of preparing this message and praying and, and really meditating on his word and, and listening to his voice. This is a thought and, and, and I believe the core of where the disconnect is. All of us are so afraid of a complete surrendered life i think we're so afraid of the complete surrendered life see the core of that disconnect is that we're so afraid to lose the control of our own lives to lose that control because in our finite brains we equate surrender as losing control we equate that as losing control we equate it as losing personal liberty see we all have this invisible line that we draw in our life whether we like it or not And we have this section of, Holy Spirit, you can have this. This this part of my life, you can totally have it. And then on the other side, you go, Holy Spirit, you you can't have this one. You can't have it because I don't want you to have it. By putting this boundary there, you know what we're actually saying? Holy Spirit, I am the Lord over your life. I am the Lord over you. We play God. We put ourselves in the position of God every day and put this Holy Spirit as just some magic eight ball we take out and say, okay, here's my la- big life decision. What are you going to say? See, we have this notion that surrender will give us a negative impact in our lives, but the reality is surrender is righteous. Living, it's righteous living. See, surrender doesn't not doesn't mean that you lose control. Surrender means that we lay down the fleshly desires, so that there would be a leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's laying down our fleshly desires so that there would be a leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But some of us are so scared to have the Holy Spirit in our, uh, to lead in our lives. I can tell you right now, I am so scared. I listen. I don't want like just being transparent with you. I don't want the Holy Spirit to lead my life. Why? Because I don't know what answers I might get from the Holy Spirit. He might give me an answer that I'm like, man, I don't know. That's a no-no that's a for me. I mean, because deep inside, like we are scared of the reality of what this means because, well, what if the Holy Spirit asks me to give up something that I am not ready to give up? Ooh. What if he leads me where I don't want to go? What if he convicts me to share that deep sin, secret sin in my life with a brother or sister in Christ? What if he asks me to uh, me to find a new friend group because this current friend group is not edifying to my spirit? And, and once you get older, like, it's really hard to find a friend, by the way, all right? It just... It's, Sorry, it's a a hard thing because you get really picky, right? Anyways, what if the Holy Spirit leads me to pray for that abuser who hurt me? Ooh, that's a hard one. What if he asks me to forgive the person who's done the unforgivable to me and my family? These are the reality questions that we will have to face once we completely trust in the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we're scared to do it. See, our flesh will ask the what ifs. right? Our flesh will say, what if this? What if this? What if that? But the scripture is so clear on his promise of, of being good. That when we are led by the spirit, like his promises are good. Romans eight twenty eight says this. And we know that in all things, God works for those good of those who love him, who have been according to his purpose. The scripture is clear that everything that we do when we're led by the spirit, it's good for us. You see, fleshly desire is anything that is very, the, it's the opposite of God's word and his promises and his goodness. Fleshly desire is literally everything and anything that goes against the righteousness of God. See, I'm not saying that the desires are bad. But I'm saying that when the desires turn into lust and turns into unbelief, that's when it goes against the righteousness of God. And it's that fleshly desire that we need to surrender. But here's a funny thing about that. We don't want to. We don't want to. Because we like it. Because we're comfortable in it. Like... If we didn't like it so much, like would we have this issue, <laughs> right? Like it, it, we wouldn't have this issue, and that's the predicament that we find ourselves in. That we desire, we want to be led by the Holy Spirit, yet our flesh is like, mm, I like playing God. I like the rebellion in it because our sinful nature loves to rebel against God. I mean, look at Galatians five seventeen again for the. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict or, or with each other. See, since the beginning of time, like mankind has always rebelled against God, right? And since the beginning of time, to live according to their own fleshly desires and always contradicting and, and going against the Holy Spirit. I mean, look at Adam and Eve. They had all the freedom in the Garden of Eden. I mean, they were naked. They're, you can't get any more freer than that. Right? They had all the freedom in the world, like, and, and they decided, they chose to be like God and oh, disobey God. And what did that bring? Death and destruction of, of human sin. Look at the Tower of Babel, right? And this is after, in this is still in Genesis, where people are kind of gathering, and people have grown, you know, you know, grown in numbers, and, and the whole city, the whole town comes together and says, hmm, how can we be like God how can we be like God ah let's build a tower together so that we can reach up to heavens and be famous like God and God's like no that's not gonna work so what happens he gives them all different languages and they all scatter destruction no more unity in that look at Sodom and Gomorrah Sodom and Gomorrah were cities that were just filled with lust and and Sexual desires, and I mean, it, 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 if you think about like what sin is, like Sodom and Gomorrah would be like number one up there. This was a city that was overrun by fleshly desires figuratively and literally living their lives as, you know, their own, their, their own, their, you know, their own God and, and rebellion. What happens? Fire and brimstone, right, comes and destroys the whole city. And here's the kicker. God saves Lot's family okay and you know the angels of god instructs lots family to do what to keep on walking and don't look don't look back what did lots wife do she she turned back why because she missed her old life she's like oh but that's my city that's that's my desire i want to be there so she turned back and guess what she turned into pillar of salt living out fleshly desire will always bring destruction always it it will always rebel against god it will always try to do evil it will always go and try to be one with the world see according to verse 17 our desires will always contradict the holy spirit why because he is holy and our fleshly desires are not you know when i look at this culture especially the 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 church culture i'm saddened that my heart is so broken because one of the roles of the holy spirit is to convict of sin Yet when I look at this culture and when I look around at those who claim to be followers of Jesus, yet their lives are lived with zero conviction of of the actions that are happening. So I have to ask them, like, are you truly saved? or Are you truly surrendered? Because remember, believing in the death and resurrection of Jesus and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who convicts, it's not separate. It's together. It's intimately connected. Another role of the Holy Spirit is to help the believers understand God's word. Yet the followers of Jesus are twisting this word of God and only wanting to hear what they want to hear. You can have to ask them, hey, are you truly saved? Is it complete surrender? Because remember what I said earlier. Believing in Jesus' death and resurrection is intimately connected to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Like I said, it's not separate. You cannot believe in death and resurrection of Jesus and not be led by the Holy Spirit. Surrendering is a battle term. It's messy. It's hard. It's gruesome. It's painful. It's bloody. It's it's a battle term. Why? Because when you surrender, you're actively choosing and intentionally choosing to say, you know what? What? I give up all my rights to the conqueror I give up all of my rights to the conqueror let me give you some just couple of life examples what surrender might look like all right here's it let's start with a simple one let's say that you're on social media all right and uh, you see a post and you go that goes against my personal liberty right so what do you do <sighs> right and you get your thumbs ready right or your fingers ready and you go Da-da-da-da. and then you have you have two options now you can either hit that post button or you don't what are you going to do see your fleshly desires like do it press that button you know you want to But if there's a battle going inside of you, if there's a Holy Spirit indwelling inside of you, guess what? There's going to be that voice that says, you know you're not supposed to do that. You know that whole, like, picture of, yeah. You're not supposed to do that. Because deep inside, you know exactly how it's going to play out. Like, it might be broken relationships. It might be all of that. But the most important thing is that as believers, we are called as ambassadors of Jesus and if we're doing the things that what our fleshly desire wants to, then we, what kind of example are we setting for the world out there? And it's really not about like posting, like pressing that button or not. Because if there's surrender, if there's surrender, then you will surrender that opinion to Jesus. Hear me out. I'm not saying that you can't have your own opinion. You're more than welcome to have your own opinion. But there's a difference between having your own opinion and surrendering that opinion because when we surrender our opinion we're being led by the holy spirit not by our fleshly desires here's another example i might step on some toes for this one all right just get ready i love you all but i this needs to happen we're so blessed living here in america right with with this personal liberty and freedom and we wear so proudly right it's like america right And we have the voice to speak about this liberty and freedom that we have. And I'm so thankful that we do. But part of that voice is associated with uh, uh, who gets elected next in our leadership of the government. I can see some of you already like clenching your fists, but it's all right. You're like, where is he going with this? right? Let me read you what Romans 13.1 says. Remind you, these are not my words, okay? This is the Word of God. Everyone must submit to all governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in position of authority have been placed there by God. Let's take a deep breath, everybody. It's okay, all right? It's okay. Take a deep breath. You're okay. Whether you're left-winged, or right-winged, or no-winged, or center-winged, I, I don't know, it's this thing, right? Or, or, or one government, or like, abolish all government, like... I, I don't care where you are at. The scripture is clear to us. Submit to all authority. Because why? It's not by, I mean, yes, we voted and things like that. But ultimately, it is given by God. And if we, and Paul goes on in this chapter, he goes, if we go against or, or, or don't submit, we're actually going against God. Think about that, y'all. That, that's crazy. Let, let me put this thought in, in, for you to think as well. What if, okay? This is a what if statement. What if all believers nowadays put that all of that energy of complaining and, and, and rejoicing and grumbling and, 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 and celebrating, going to these rallies and protests with blood, sweat, and tears. What if we put all of that energy into actually praying for our nation? What would that look like? Instead of being divided by these political realms, what if if we put all of the energy of grumbling and debating, what if we put all of that energy into praying for the leaders of this nation? What would this nation look like? I can tell you right now, 100% guarantee, our nation will look very different. Because it's no longer led by the human hands. It's led by God's spirit in, in our nation. it's his plan not ours and we're surrendering our thoughts we're surrendering our beliefs we're surrendering our ideologies I never said this was gonna be easy this is a battle every single one of you in this room and watching online you have a battle going inside of your heart right now inside you right now some of you it might be this exact thing we're battle of this political divide you're like ooh you know I need to debate and you're like no I can't some of you might be the battle of sexuality it could be heterosexuality or homosexuality some of you you might be a battle of your pride and ego some of you might be battle of deceit that sin that, that is so behind closed doors that nobody knows about it except for you and God it might be the battle that's inside of you and it's an, it's going to be an everyday battle but when we choose to surrender When we choose to say, you know what, God, I give up everything, my rights, my ideology, my beliefs, even though I have them, I give it all to you. There's freedom, there's life, and there's victory in that. Surrendering isn't just a one-time thing. You don't get to surrender today and tomorrow you decide to go back the way that you want to because you did it yesterday. Surrendering is a continual surrender. Why? Because it's a continual battle. Until the day we die, until we meet Jesus face to face, we're going to be living in this continual battle of trying to decide do I live for Jesus or not live for Jesus? You're going to have to surrender again tomorrow. It's a continued surrender. And it's when we continue to surrender. When we, and it's in that surrender that we can fully live a life that is dwelt by the Holy Spirit the more we surrender to him, the more room for the Holy Spirit to dwell in our lives and empower us, the more we surrender to him, the more of our old self-worshiping self, prideful, sexual, deceitful, lying nature is replaced with that one that resembles Christ Jesus. Galatians 2.28 says this, my old self has been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The moment that you decided to put your trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit indwells in you. And the only, it is only through the Holy Spirit that we can live a life fully according to his plan not ours, not ours. See, our, our plan will only yield death and destruction, but yielding to God's plan gives freedom and life. So what does this mean for you and I, right? What does it mean now? We have this knowledge about who the Trinity is and who the Holy Spirit is and how He indwells in us. Like we get this knowledge, right? We have this. So the, the work actually starts now, right? Like you have a decision to make. Galatians 5 24 25 says this Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have nailed their passion and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. You either have a decision to continue to be enslaved by your sinful desires, fleshly desires, or to crucify those desires and be led by the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, there, there is no middle ground. There is no middle ground. You can't just wake up one day and say, you know what, today I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to listen to some worship music and it's going to be fantastic. My day is going to be filled with scriptures. I'm going to listen to Bible, even audio book, Right? And then, like, you wake up the next day and you're like, everything is horrible and I'm not going to trust in Jesus at all. There is no middle ground. The middle ground is that battlefield, but we have to choose to surrender. You know, I, I challenge my students all the time. You can ask any of my students who, you know, come to Journey on Sunday nights. And I've said this since I've been hired. I said, Either be all for Jesus or be none for Jesus. Like be all of it or be none of it. See, God is not God is not something that we we just add on to in our life's mix like salt and pepper, and to be like, here's flavoring of God, like, you know. Like He is the source of life. The only reason that that we're breathing here this morning, that, that we're here. It is only by his great mercy that we're here. See, he desires an invitation from us to be in every part of our lives. And let me tell you, when you accept that calling to surrender, when you you accept that calling to say, you know what, Jesus? You know what, Holy Spirit? I, I give it all, and this is me surrendering to your leading in my life. When that happens, watch out. Because there will be a difference in your life. There will be love and compassion. will be more present. Joy will be part of your life now. Not happiness. Happiness is temporary. Joy is eternal. Peace reigns over your life. You are more patient in in every circumstance. We treat others with kindness. And we see goodness in others and around us. We're more faithful to everything that that God has entrusted us with. Self-control is more apparent. And if you haven't caught on yet, that's the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to talk more about that in the next coming weeks. I want to close today with, with just a little quote um, from Francis Chan in his book called Forgotten God. If you have not yet had a chance to read a book, with that book, please go read it. It's, it's an amazing, amazing book. Um, just talking really in depth about who the Holy Spirit is in our lives. Um, I have it up on the screen uh, for you to either want to take a picture or whatnot, but I want you to just close your eyes. okay, I want you to just listen to this quote. and yeah, just listen to this quote. "No matter where you live and what your days look like, you have the choice each day to depend on yourself, to live safely and to try to control your life. Or you can live as you were, created to live, as a temple of the Holy Spirit of God, as a person dependent on him, desperate for God the Spirit to show up and make a difference. When you begin living a life characterized by walking with the Spirit, that is when people will begin to look not to you, but to our Father in heaven and give him the praise. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence Thank you that that you indwell within us. Thank you that you guide us. God, we want to make a decision, Lord. And, and first of all, God, we, 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 we are praying with repentance of saying, Lord, we're sorry for not leaning in, in, in your Holy Spirit. Not leaning on the Holy Spirit but living our life as we want to. So God, forgive us for that. So God, challenge us, convict us, Lord, to live a spirit-filled life that is pleasing to you, not for our own glory, God, but for your glory. So God, we love you. We thank you for your word that that is so true, and that is so loving. And God, be with us in every battle that we have. And let us choose you before all. We give you all the praise and honor. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.